What's up, everyone? My name is B, and you are listening to the Brand Eye Podcast. This podcast talks about navigating our 20-somethings, the good, the bad, and the ugly parts of our journeys, and learning to embrace every part of your story, because your life is your brand, and so many people would benefit from just seeing you live authentically. No one has all of the answers. We're all trying to figure it out. I hate goodbyes. I'm not a fan (laughs) at all because goodbyes are hard, especially going through a breakup. That journey, those phases that we're expected to go through are hard. And there's no manual, like some user manual to help us get through it without any problems. But the beautiful thing about a breakup is you have the opportunity and the ability to learn about yourself and to experience parts of yourself you didn't even know existed. So this week, I sat down with a good friend of mine who is 24 and newly divorced. Um, So my good friend Cassie talks about what it's been like navigating a divorce in her formative years, her 20s. So for those of you who are going through a really tough breakup and you don't know what's next, this is for you. Cassie, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to see you um, because I know that we are miles apart, almost like 800 miles, right? <laughs> so yes, thank you for being here. Um but something that we're going to talk about is going through a breakup, navigating a breakup. Um I met someone when I was out. I was out on I think New Year's Day, just hanging out with one of my friends going to get a drink and someone looked at me and they were like the worst thing is getting your heart broken. And I kind of looked around like, who, who is she talking to? Because I, it was so random. And I just said, oh, are you talking to me? And she was like, yeah, I'm talking to you. And she repeated herself. And so I was asking her, like, is everything okay? And she just broke down in my arms in the middle of this, like, little dive bar that we were in and was talking about how she was going through a breakup after five years. And... I felt her like I legit felt her pain because going through a breakup is a tough thing. And oftentimes people try to diminish it or they ask us questions like, well, did you see the red flags? How could you have waited that long? Questions that aren't helpful. So Cassie, um, thank you so much for being here and being willing to talk about your journey to healing. So Can you tell us a little bit about who are you? Just how do you define Cassie? Um, Cassie is healing. Cassie (laughs) is originally from Los Angeles, California, and has been a West Coast transplant here on the East for the last two and a half years. Mm -hmm. I found myself over in New York originally for graduate school and then kind of fell in love with the East Coast. And I don't imagine moving back anytime soon. (laughs) I am a dog mama. I am a part-time runner. I'd say I'm an amateur runner. I've got a- no, you're not an amateur. You've done a <laughs> few races. You're not an amateur girl. 
Um, and more so than anything, I am a lover of friends and family and partners, romantic and otherwise. That yeah. is, I think, the best version of myself is when I can express my love to those around me who matter the most. Yeah, yeah. And I must say that having you in my life has been just so amazing because when I was far away from home, my first time living out of state away from family, you became a part of my out of state family. And how old are you? I'm 24 years old. 24 and killing the game in your PhD <laughs> program, killing it. <laughs> so Cassie, you are going through a divorce. What is going through your mind? Like what has been going through your mind the past almost year? We're coming up on a year. Yep. So I started the divorce proceedings about a half a year ago. Um, I am happy to say that the divorce is final and it's completely finished. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's been such an odd thing to tell people in my life, especially those who experienced my relationship with me, because a lot of them who weren't pervy to the issues in my relationship um, would say, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, that's heartbreaking. I can't believe that that happened to you. And I just want to put it out there for people who have never been through a divorce or have never been through the split of a long-term relationship. Don't say that to people. Really? Um, like, with all respect, I appreciate the love and tenderness that I've been receiving from the people in my life. But to automatically apologize for something that you don't know if it's a good or a bad thing in their life, yeah. you're automatically making assumptions on, you know, what's going on and what led to that divorce. And for yeah. me, I am accepting all of the congratulations <laughs> and the celebrations around the corner because right. it was a long process. It was emotionally and mentally taxing and it was not fun. Yeah. Yeah. And do you think that the sorries, because that's a really good perspective. And I think just thinking through grief, it's that's true. Um, but I've also learned that sometimes people don't know what to say. But do you think that their sorries are for the emotionally exhausting piece that you just touched on? Hmm. It might be. And if it is for that, then I accept <laughs> the apologies and the condolences that are coming my way um, because yeah my body my mind I felt like I needed a two-week vacation mm. after my divorce was finalized a lot of it unfortunately was on my shoulders my yeah. ex um, didn't want a part of the divorce and that made it more of a time-consuming process it took a yeah. lot longer than it should have and I know that that's the reality for a lot of people out there yeah. And who were you during your relationship with your ex? And I have a two-part question, so we'll start with the first part. But who were you during that relationship? Mm. Hearing that question, I I feel so disconnected from that version of myself now that I've been away from that relationship for so long. But yeah. as I reminisce, I think that who I was in that relationship was 
um, a very attentive partner, sometimes to a fault. I mm. was someone who was too forgiving at times. <laughs> yeah. I was someone who, at the end of the day, I wasn't being my full version because either I wasn't allowed to and or I just felt like the full version of me wasn't going to be accepted. And yeah. that is something that now out of that relationship I can realize, but in it, I was so deep and invested in that relationship that it was so hard for me to see that version of myself was what I had become. Yeah. Yeah. And I think oftentimes we carry this guilt, especially as women, and I don't want to stereotype, but I think we carry this guilt of, well, if I walk away now, I'm leaving them. Or what if I didn't give it my all? So how are you able to navigate that feeling if you did have that feeling? I most definitely carried that guilt. And probably <laughs> it's still something that I'm grappling with if I'm being fully transparent. But one of the saving graces that I've had in my corner throughout this entire process and even before the divorce started was therapy. I cannot mm. recommend therapy. Yes. And um, this isn't me, you know, self-diagnosing. This isn't me saying that what worked for me is going to work for everybody else. Mm. But it's something that truly got me through this process, being able to have a third party person who was completely unrelated, who was not attached to the situation, to be able to talk through all of my emotions, all of what was running through my mind. I mean, it's not easy to make the decision of divorcing your partner yeah. any amount of time and being able to talk through my rationale and to feel affirmed and to gain confidence through therapy. Mm -hmm. That is something that I will constantly recommend to people who are going through this process over and over again. I love it. And I love that oftentimes when we go through tough things and situations that are not something that we wanted to happen, we grow from it and we realize that we evolve and we just develop this resilience. So Earlier, you were saying that you feel so disconnected from who you were while in a relationship. How have you grown and how who is a woman now um, that has made it out of a tumultuous period where you weren't able to put yourself first? Mm. I would like to think that the person I am now, the person that I am growing into is much more confident, much more vibrant of a human being, and is a lot more kind to themselves. I experienced a lot of guilt, like you had mentioned. I experienced a lot of heartache and a lot of trauma yeah. and a lot of ugly, messy emotions that I am still wading through. But in that waiting, I am learning that I am not going to get through this by putting yeah. myself down constantly. Because if oh, I period. to put myself down, then I'm allowing others to do the same for me. I need to love myself first in order to allow that love into my life. Yeah, that's beautiful. I, I love that because loving yourself is hard. It, mm -hmm. It's really hard. Self-love is not an easy journey. And something that I think about for me personally in a relationship, one thing that I love about 
being with a man for me and in a relationship is the security that comes from it. I love a man that can make me feel secure. I love someone that puts those fears or insecurities uh, to rest. But I'm also learning having, I'm learning how to be by myself and I'm learning that that's not always what security looks like or what security means. And oftentimes that's when we become insecure, don't have uh, like a, a foundation. So for you, what does security mean to you? Security by myself without a person in a relationship means being able to provide us provide and create and maintain a safe space. Yeah. And safety is something that was not always guaranteed in my past relationship, unfortunately. And that psychological safety, psychological, emotional, mental, um, but being able to experience what it was like to not feel safe, just emphasized more how important it is for me to create that safety for myself and to maintain that that is what makes me feel most stable in my life by myself. Yeah. And how has your definition of security evolved throughout your journey from the moment that you met your ex to who you are right now today? So me and my ex were high school sweethearts. We met when we were 15 and 16 years old, which was almost 10 years ago. And so wild to think about (laughs) that version of myself. I can only imagine. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Um, And back then, security very much fit a lot of gender stereotypes and cultural Mm. norms and expectations. Security back then meant you know being married by a certain age and having a home and owning pets and starting a family and having a um, secure job lined up after college graduation Mm. all of those things that is how i had defined security back then when we had first started dating and now security has vastly changed that definition (laughs) does not exist in my vocabulary anymore that's not in my lexicon security now means living in proximity to those who truly love and accept all versions of me all Mm. seasons of me and security means being in a space where i feel truly safe and comforted And being able to provide for myself. Because at the end of the day, as nice as it is for partners to provide for you financially and otherwise, Mm. you don't know when that can end. You don't know when that can abruptly change. And so you need to be able to support yourself to be able to truly feel safe and secure. I love that thought because a theme that I'm noticing in just the conversations that I'm having with people on this platform is learning to be sufficient and learning interdependence because I think there's a big difference between independence Mm -hmm. and then dependence, but then there's that thing in the middle, which is interdependence. Um, And what I love is it's so fascinating, even just as a friend of yours, to see how you've evolved because when I met you, you liked to be in control of everything and you liked to have 
a plan for everything. And now (laughs) it's like things got ruffled up a little bit. So what was that like for you to feel as if you were losing control? It was not good. (laughs) (laughs) It was not good. It was really uncomfortable and it caused me to question so much of what I thought I believed in the world and what I should expect out of my future. Um, After the end of my eight-year relationship, I realized that for me, a one-year, a five-year, a ten-year plan is just not in the cards right now. Wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry. Wait. Pause. (laughs) Cassie, Cassandra. You are telling me, because when I met you, you had a whole plan laid out. And you are telling me now that it is okay for a human being to not have their, their the, the, the rest of their life planned out. I know. I know. It's hard. To- I love this. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, I, have to, I have to sit back with <laughs> We'll be back after this commercial break. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> so, wow, I, there's just so much to unpack. What does it feel like to now, because what I love is that you didn't say, I don't have a plan, so I'm going to stop working hard or I'm going to throw in the towel. But you just said, listen, I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't even know what the next second holds. So I'm going to just live life. What does that feel like? It has been the most freeing experience of my life. I bet. And what is what does freeing mean to you? How how have you felt free? Because I can only imagine that feeling, but can you articulate it a little bit? When I used to tell others the importance of having these one, five, ten-year plans, I used to think that those plans provided me a sense of comfort, a sense of relief to know what the next few months look like, what the next few years look like. But in reality, in retrospect, now that I'm on the other side of that, I'm realizing that it might have created a little bit of that sense of relief, but it was false relief because Mm. you cannot plan for the future. You can anticipate some things. You can try your best to create a game plan for what could happen, all of the what ifs in life. But outside of the relief that I got, that false sense of relief, I also experienced a lot of stress and overwhelm carrying around this Mm. idea of I need to obtain this particular goal by this Mm. time, by this deadline that I'm setting for myself, which was so wild to think that as an academic, I'm already facing all of these deadlines with publishings, with conference proposals, with my dissertation. I do not need to be adding more deadlines to my life. I do not need to be adding. You definitely don't. To cross off my to-do list. That thing is already a mile long. Yeah. I love that. And thank you just for your candor. How, How were you able to forgive yourself after 
realizing that your 5, 10, 20, 25, 50 year plans just didn't turn out the way that you had planned early on? Forgiveness is something that I have struggled with, I think, the entirety of my life, not just my adult life, but from the very beginning of my inception in this world. As someone who is entering a quarter of their life, I I know, I know, um, I am realizing that forgiveness is something that we have to give ourselves because we cannot expect that forgiveness from others in the world. And Mm -hmm. this is a hard lesson to learn. It is not easy. And it is something that I have to relearn over and over again with different obstacles in my life, including this most recent one. But forgiveness has looked like me accepting the reality, accepting that things did not go to plan And that is okay. And that has to be okay. And I'm going to be okay. Yes, you are. You are okay. You are killing the game. (laughs) You are really killing the game. What? So it's interesting because I was talking to a friend of mine who went through a pretty traumatic breakup. And one question I was asking her was what are some of the most insensitive things that people have asked you or said to you when going through this? And one thing that she brought up that really kind of caught me off guard that anyone would say this, but they would ask, well, did you notice any red flags? Did you notice anything leading up to the breakup? And she cracks me up and she was like, "Uh, well, obviously not. (laughs) Like, why? how would I notice the red flags if I was still in the relationship? Um, for you, were there was there a point in your relationship where you're like, wait, this may not work out? And how were you able to work through, navigate that moment? Because that has to be a really tough moment. It is. And... I appreciate you mentioning the reality of we get asked some out-of-pocket <laughs> questions. People think that they have this uh, this access to your relationship when you mm. share tidbits on social media. And that is not the case. You do not mm. have access to my entire relationship. Period. My personal life just because yeah. I posted a few photos. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, um, to answer your question, I, uh, can you ask it again? Yeah. Um, what, what, at what point did you realize like, yeah, this may not work out. Holy crap. And how are you able to navigate it? Because I can only imagine how that initial feeling or thought or realization that something may not work out has to shatter so many dreams and shatter not only confidence in yourself, but confidence in your relationship as well. For me, I think there were a few moments that now being an outsider looking in should have been the straw that broke the camel's back, (laughs) but they weren't because it's hard to see that 
type of perspective when you're in it, like I mentioned earlier. Yeah. One thing that kind of signaled to me that the relationship, I was ready to leave it, was we had gone through a few rounds of couples counseling in the year and a half leading up to me serving the divorce papers. Mm. The couples counseling sessions were difficult to say the least. They were tension filled every single time that we went into them, unfortunately. And throughout the sessions themselves, we would kind of find our way back to one another. We would find our way to be able to have somewhat productive and conducive conversations. But it was after the most recent round of couples counseling that I realized that as much as we paid for couples counselors, as much as we put in the time and energy into attending these weekly sessions or bi-weekly sessions, things weren't changing fundamentally in our relationship. The foundation that we had built our relationship on had deep-seated cracks that could Mm. not be put together with some glue. Yeah. And would you say that both of your intentions for getting married were different. And I don't think that intention always means a bad thing, but sometimes the way that we view marriage or the reason that we are wanting to get married may differ from our partners. And that may cause some turmoil or tension in a marriage. If that's not something you talk about before getting married or something you even think about, um, which I, I don't think any of us really, well, okay, I won't speak for everyone, me. I know I, prior to talking to someone that went through a divorce at age 25, who explained that to me, I don't think I would have ever thought about that when dating men. We had discussed pretty but we were pretty vocal with one another about our intentions entering a marriage. Okay. We had said to one another why it is that we thought it was a good time at that moment to get married, why we didn't want to wait a year more or two years more, elongate our engagement. Um, At the end of the day, my intention going into this marriage had a lot to do with feeling secure in myself and in the future because I had created and was sticking to at that point in time, this five-year vision of what my life should be, Mm. I thought that that meant I had to be married. I thought that that meant I had to be tied down legally to somebody else to prove something to myself and prove something to my culture and prove something to the workforce that I was entering. Yeah. And for him... I would like to imagine that he was entering the marriage because he loved me very much and because he wanted to support whatever vision I had in mind of what this marriage would be. I will add that we got married during the pandemic. We had gotten engaged. I did not know that. We had gotten engaged pre-pandemic and we had been engaged for a little over a year and decided We've already experienced a year of this pandemic at that point. Mm. No one in the world knew when it was going to end. And it signaled to me that if I could get through a year of being stuck inside this home with somebody else, then maybe this means that a marriage could potentially work between us. Yeah. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case, obviously. 
and that shouldn't have been something that I solely went off of in entering this legal binding agreement with somebody. But mm -hmm. I think that if I had done it any differently, I wouldn't be in this position in my life now. That's that's real. I have a podcast that I listen to that I absolutely love. It's called the Homecoming Podcast. And the host is, is a therapist um, and also a minister. But what she talks about is oftentimes when we go through traumatic things, some of us feel like we need to say, well, I'm so grateful that this happened or like this, this had to have happened. And she said, no, you don't have to say that I wish uh, that I'm glad that this happened because in reality, you're probably not glad, but you're glad you're grateful for what you took from the situation. And that's even changed the way that I frame things or negative things that happen to me is looking at, okay, I'm not grateful for the situation, but I'm grateful for the lessons that have been learned. Um, so I like, I love that you talked about that. One thing that I, think about is oftentimes confidence is our, like our relationship as human beings with confidence is just so tricky and convoluted and just it's it's so complicated and already trying to navigate the world as a woman of color is hard enough and showing up in predominantly white spaces and imposter syndrome and all of that is hard enough. And then being in a relationship where your partner is not always faithful is even harder. So how were you able to, what did it feel like for you to go through a situation where your home did not feel like a home, essentially. Going through that phase of losing this security in my home, this physical space that I had crafted and curated so carefully from the furniture to the photo frames on the mantle to the decor on the walls to the scent that you breathed in as soon as you walked in, all of that was tainted as soon as these issues started to become so prevalent in our relationship. Mm -hmm. It was unsettling. It was frustrating. It was saddening to realize that all of this effort that I put into creating this home was gone. It, in a split second, it felt like it all vanished. I, everything that I experienced sensory-wise, it was yeah. all new to me. It felt like I was a stranger in my own home. I am grateful, beyond grateful, for my friends and my second family that I've created here on the East Coast because they are the ones... Uh, on the where? On the East Coast. Only on the East Coast? Not just on the East Coast. Because I'm not on the East Coast, boo. I'm in the Midwest, <laughs> so... <laughs> All over the United States. Okay, Especially okay, I like that better. I mean, <laughs> carry on. Um, but my chosen family helped me to come to this understanding that home is not tied to a geographic space or a physical location. It's mm. nice to be able to tie it to those things, but home is 
the people that you carry in and around you. Home is this feeling, this sense of love and unadulterated care and kindness that radiates from the people in your life. And for me, coming to that realization is what got me through the sadness and what is what was able to get me the courage and the confidence to physically step away from that home that I had curated with my ex-husband and be able to find the courage to build a new home by myself for the very yes. first time in my life. <laughs> I love that. That's beautiful. One thing that I remember I was recording an episode that I don't know if I'll ever release because I was really I was really booty butt naked in that episode just like <laughs> revealing my whole soul. But I was going down this this rabbit hole or not even a rabbit hole, but I was just exploring some of the spaces in my mind that I never allowed myself to explore. And one thing that I found was I just felt so displaced and I, I couldn't put my finger on it. But when I finished going on this little mind journey, I ended at, I need to make my house a home because like my life is supposed to, I'm, I'm housing like this body and this life is housing so much and just so much, you know, it's all a journey, but then it's like, am I making it home? Am I, because like you, I love being in control and my friend's will tell you I'm very bossy uh, and I'll tell you that they're very wrong, but <laughs> I like being in control, right? And it's hard when you lose that control. So I love this resilience that you're showing of like, I lost control, but I'm still standing. And that means that the world did not come to an end. Uh, so I just, I love that. And if you had to choose three things that you loved or that you learned, I guess I'll say that you learned from your relationship. What would those three things be? Uh, I would start with I learned how important it is for to have someone there to experience life with. And this isn't me putting it out there that you need to have a partner to ex go through life with, to experience life with. But it made the joys more joyful. It made the sorrow <laughs> and the sadness a little bit easier to manage and wade through. And it, it was nice to have someone there. And I appreciated learning that lesson because I thought that prior to that, that I could go through life by myself and be completely content. And I don't yeah. think that in my life, I want to be content. I want to be happy. Mm. I want to be overjoyed. I want yeah. to be static to live life every single day. Yeah. I love that. And it's so hard because I feel like sometimes those three good things are those three uh, pieces of growth that we're experiencing can make us want to hold on for a little longer and to compromise what we believe and what we know. I remember going through my breakup. Um, one of my breakups, like a my ex and I were like, okay, we'll be friends. And I called someone and I was like, okay, we could just be friends, right? Like, I'm gonna be friends with him. And she asked me, 
Do you have enough self-respect to allow yourself and give yourself space to heal? And I was like, oh, I feel attacked. Like you did not need, (laughs) you just came for my whole life because you didn't need to use self and respect and heal, like all of that. Um, So how are you able to provide that space for yourself? Because that's a really hard space to be in. I, up until recently, when I created a new home, a new safe space for myself, I had never lived alone. I had never had only myself to rely on financially and otherwise. And that meant that I had to learn the excruciatingly hard way how to be alone. Mm. And that is something that was a painful journey. It was something that I wish I had experienced you know, five years ago, rather than as an adult now, I think that when it came to sitting with that alone time, when sitting with this reality that I have me, myself, and I, and that's it for the time being, yeah, that I had to remind myself with help from friends that being alone does not equate loneliness. Mm, yeah. Solitude is a very beautiful thing. I I have something that I want to propose to you because you said something that made me think. You were talking about this was your first time, for example, doing a lot on your own. And one example that you gave was being financially or just handling your own finances. And I also wonder where I know a lot of the sacrifices that you made in your relationship to make your partner happy. And something that you said has made me wonder, oftentimes when we think like, I've never done this alone, if we sit back and reflect, do you think that there are instances where you'll find like, oh yeah, I'm killing the game because I was doing that alone, even though my partner was supposed to be helping me. So not only was it like, it was almost like a double whammy because one, your behind should be helping me out with this, but you're not. But I love you enough to take this on. Mm-hmm. Two, I'm doing this alone and I've never had to do this alone. And now you're in this space where you're redoing it. But like, look at you, you're killing the game. What What would you say to that? I want to preface this by saying that there's a lot of good that I can remember from my marriage and from yeah. my past relationship. It wasn't all bad. It wasn't all awful. There is yeah. a lot of light and positivity yeah. that I don't want to overshadow with the negative that I it love ended it. on. However, to answer your question, you're right. There was a lot of sacrifice that I had to give in that relationship for eight years, not only was I not my full authentic self, but I carried on the weight of a lot of responsibilities for a multitude of reasons, trying to fill gender roles, trying to Mm. fill cultural norms, trying to fill his expectations, Mm. and trying to fill the gaps so that way our relationship stuck through the last eight years. I truly believe that At points in our relationship, I was the one who was giving an awfully lot more than he was. And that is one of the many reasons that our relationship failed. And 
did not follow through to the very end, unfortunately. And that, my friend, is what healing looks like, okay? Someone who's able to acknowledge the good, acknowledge the beauty, but also say, yeah, some stuff was messed up and I didn't like it, but I still love, respect, and honor what was. And even if it wasn't perfect, there was there was some beauty. So, Cassie, I love it. Like, are you, <laughs> I love it. That's beautiful. I, I truly, that makes me happy. And I know that we have to go soon, but when you think about like, when you just are looking ahead, I know that you don't have the five-year plan or the 10-year plan anymore, but even thinking about love to you, when you think about being in a relationship now, is that new definition of relationship still being in a monogamous relationship or has your idea and desire and have your desires changed? As I am continuing on this healing process, having left a long-term relationship, I will say that right now what I desire is a monogamous relationship, is a relationship that is founded in honesty, in an abundance of love and joy, and it is founded in this idea and understanding that we should not be holding one another back from the greatness that is within ourselves. Yeah. And that that part, that greatness, really needs to be considered when you are entering and sharing such an intimate part of yourself with somebody else. You're giving so much power to somebody else, and you need to be able to verbalize with them what that means to you the Mm. sacrifice that the vulnerability the humility that you're opening yourself up to and that they in turn are also opening themselves up to you but once you understand that once you have built that foundation you're golden obviously all relationships are going to have their bumps in the road as we know there is no such thing as a perfect relationship a perfect in what world in what world because my next one is about to be perfect Uh (laughs) (laughs) but i i say all that to say in the realm of love and future relationships i only hope and pray that i am blessed with a partner who welcomes me in all facets of that definition and if they don't we're dropping him okay Uh, (laughs) and oh my goodness so I am excited for you and something that I love to say in all all chapters of my life even those that I don't really I'm not very fond of I love to say cheers to beautiful endings and new beginnings so what do you have to look forward to while you're entering and I mean, living your best life in this new chapter in your life. Is this where I'm supposed to shout myself out and uh, sing my own praises? Uh, yeah, and if you don't, I'll do it for you. So get to get to talking. <laughs> in this next chapter of my life, I will be finishing my PhD degree at Syracuse oh, University. Period. Go Orange. I will be a whole Dr. Cassie in hopefully a year's time from now. Yeah. 
And in between that time, I will also be presenting at a number of academic conferences and guest speaking on a number of panels, as well as having a few publications coming out in the next year. Yes, that is beautiful and so exciting. (laughs) I cannot wait to see all of the amazing things that you are going to continue to do. And what lessons are you going that you have what lessons that you got from this chapter in your life of going through a relationship or being in this eight year relationship and uh, then getting a divorce? What lessons are you going to carry with you and hold near and dear to your heart as you enter these new stages of life? Mm. A few lessons that I hope to carry on is one, You are never truly alone in any Mm. of this process, in any part of your life. There is always someone behind you who is rooting for your success, who is there to hold your hand when you need it, and who is there to allow you to fly when you're ready to fly. Another lesson that I'm carrying into this next part of my life, leaving this relationship, is that I love myself so much and I deserve that amount of love. I deserve to be telling myself on a regular basis all of the wonderful things that I tell my friends. I need to be pouring that love back into myself. Yes. Thank you. And what is the uh, biggest piece of advice that you want the listeners to walk away with after hearing you share your story with us today? I hope that the running theme that I've kind of communicated throughout this session is this importance of being your whole authentic self. Mm. So one of the things that I hope that the listeners consider walking away from this is how do you ensure that you are still your whole self through a romantic relationship? How do you tend to you? Yeah. That's, I love it. And you know, that's the purpose of this podcast. Like your life is your brand. You don't have to make this cute little influencer thing. Like just show up as yourself. Your story is going to change lives and it's going to open doors and it's going to inspire people just like other people's stories have inspired us. So the time has come. Cassie, what is um, your quote of the week that you would like to share with the listeners? As an academic, by my true fashion, I am going to cite another academic. (laughs) Okay. Um, I will be citing Sherry Moraga, who is a phenomenal, majorly influential Latina scholar of color, who is one of the reasons that I found myself in a PhD program in the first Mm, place. I love it. And her quote reads, sometimes a breakdown can be the beginning of a kind of breakthrough a way of living in advance through a trauma that prepares you for a future of radical transformation. That is beautiful. Thank you. And uh, what is your question and or assignment that you have for the listeners and I? Are you ready? No. (laughs) (laughs) You never go easy on me, so come on. An assignment I have for you and the listeners is 
to reevaluate the importance that you put on the relationships versus the importance that you put on yourself. Cassie, that is heavy. You did not have to come for us like that. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, all right. Well, <laughs> and we will be sure to check in and let you know how we're doing. So thank you so much for joining us and hanging out with us this week. And thank you to all of you who are listening. Be sure to follow me to get updates um, at Brand Eye Podcast on Instagram. Thank you so much. And Cassie, thank you. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you.